A Light to the Nations is a production of the Ephesus School Network. If you've ever attended Divine Liturgy in an Orthodox Church on one of the feast days of Mary, you may have noticed something peculiar about the Gospel reading. Of the four Marian feast days of the Church, Nativity, Presentation, Dormition, and Annunciation, only Annunciation is recorded in the New Testament. On that feast, just as we would expect, the Gospel reading is the story of the angel Gabriel announcing to Mary that she will become the mother of Jesus from the first chapter of Luke. But for the other three feasts, the assigned reading is about a different person, Mary, the sister of Martha. This phenomenon might be puzzling at first, but it really demonstrates that in Scripture, function supersedes both individuals and personality. The purpose of the biblical story is to teach, and it does that by introducing us to characters not as individuals, but rather according to the function of their roles. Sometimes different characters with the same name can function in similar ways. A perfect example of this is how the church teaches about Jesus' mother at three of her feasts. Lacking a text about her birth, presentation, or death, It directs our attention to a different person with the same name and shows us how to understand Jesus' mother through the narrative of Mary, the sister of Martha. Hello, and welcome to episode 22 of A Light to the Nations. I'm your host, Father Fred Shaheen. The scriptural text under discussion today, that of Martha and Mary, comes at the end of the 10th chapter of Luke. In its precise phraseology, this short passage summarizes how two different communities, Jews and Gentiles, receive Jesus as the Messiah. Before we hear the passage, I want to say a few things about chapter 10 of Luke. The bulk of the narrative here revolves around Jesus appointing 70 apostles and sending them out two by two into every city and place where he himself was about to go. These 70 or 72, according to some manuscripts, are in addition to his 12, which Jesus had sent out in the previous chapter. This second sending out is usually understood to represent the mission to the Gentiles. The number 70 refers to the table of nations back in Genesis 10. Since demonic activity is closely related to the gods of the nations in Scripture, the reference to demons in verse 17 also suggests that the apostles were going to the Gentiles. The additional detail that Jesus sent them before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go, which is not in the sending out of the twelve, also corroborates this understanding. In the scriptural story, the preaching of the gospel to the Gentiles and their acceptance of it acts as a prelude to the Lord's coming in glory. That's why Luke makes a point to say that the apostles were going ahead to where Jesus himself would soon be, that is, in his return to judge. Note the reference in verse 12 and 14 of how intolerable it will be for those cities that refuse the gospel in that day 
that is to say, at the day of judgment. This parallel between the mission of the Twelve from chapter 9 and the mission to the Gentiles here is sustained throughout this chapter in Luke. At the end of chapter 10, it is summarized in a succinct mashal, or teaching story, involving Martha and her sister Mary. Let's hear Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Notice the phraseology here. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Luke doesn't tell us where exactly. It doesn't matter. It could be anywhere, any village. Likewise, he uses the same expression to describe Martha, a certain woman, but then tells us that she was named Martha. In scripture, women often represent communities. The name Martha is a shortened form of Maranatha, in Hebrew, Lord come. Martha's name, then, reflects the expectation of the Jewish people. This interpretation corresponds with what we hear about Simeon in chapter 2 of Luke's Gospel. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And then Luke tells us that Martha had a sister called Mary. But it is Martha who is the reference. It is she who received Jesus into her house. And since she represents the Jews, her house can be heard as a stand-in for the temple. And then Luke tells us what the two were doing. But in contrasting their behavior, this time Luke makes Mary the reference. Notice again both the sequence and the phraseology in verses 39 and 40. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. The narrative here plays out like a parable of two communities who are taking two different approaches to receiving the gospel. While Mary is doing the one thing needed, sitting at his feet and hearing his word, Martha is distracted with much serving. The priority of the former is affirmed by Jesus. He tells Martha that she is worried and troubled about many things and that one thing is needed and Mary has chosen it. Martha's behavior harkens back to the seed that fell among the thorns in the parable of the sower from Luke chapter 8. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Further, Jesus assures Martha that the good part chosen by Mary will not be taken away from her. The unwillingness of the Jews to receive the gospel as it is taught and preached will not prevent others from receiving it. Let's hear Paul in Romans chapter 9. What shall we say then? 
that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. That's verses 30 and 31. Paul then goes on to explain why the Gentiles succeed while Israel failed, using as his reference the prophet Isaiah. Verses 32 and 33. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were by works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So in this short passage at the end of Luke chapter 10, we get a summary of the teaching in Romans, which contrasts the Jew and the Gentile in terms of the approach of both to salvation, the law of righteousness, as Paul calls it. Martha is preoccupied with serving, with her own works, as it were. In her reception of Jesus as Messiah, she is distracted by many things in which she is bound to stumble. Her sister, on the other hand, does it right by choosing the good thing. Recognizing Jesus as Messiah, she does nothing. Well, one thing, actually, and Luke shows it to be the most important or needful thing. She simply submits to his words. In doing that, she attains to the righteousness of faith. There are two important things to point out here. First, the parable which immediately precedes the story of Martha and Mary is that of the Good Samaritan. In that parable, a Samaritan, an enemy of Jews, demonstrates how the commandment to care for the needy neighbor is followed. According to the law, there are no conditions attached to the commandment to love, and one's neighbor is not defined by nationality or geography, but is anyone with whom one happens to be in close proximity. It is this teaching, then, that Mary heard at the feet of Jesus, and to which she submitted. Second, as we mentioned earlier, four of the twelve major feasts of the Orthodox Church are feasts of Mary the Theotokos. On three of those, the prescribed reading at liturgy is this passage we are discussing, Luke 10, 38-42. In the Church's understanding, the behavior of Mary, the sister of Martha, is applied to Jesus' mother, who is also called Mary. Significantly, in this, we see that the Church understands the value in Scripture of function over personality. It's as if, in order to praise Mary, Jesus' mother, and not having a wealth of narratives that deal with her as an individual to draw from, the Church sees no problem teaching about her by showing us another character with the same name. And this use of function goes even further. In the same readings for those Marian feasts, the text jumps abruptly from Luke chapter 10 to chapter 11, in which we hear of a woman from the crowd who calls out to Jesus, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts which nursed you. And we hear Jesus' retort, Blessed rather are they who hear the word of God and keep it. This random woman from the crowd, read inclusive of Gentiles, praises Jesus by praising his mother in her role of bearing him and nursing him. Jesus' corrective shows that the bearing and nursing are not what makes his mother, or anyone for that matter, blessed. That blessing comes from one thing only, hearing the word of God and keeping it. Again, the church applies this virtue, which anyone is capable of demonstrating, to Jesus' mother on the celebration of her feasts. 
Despite the artificial jump from chapter 10 to chapter 11, this text does connect to Mary, Jesus' mother, of whom we heard back in chapter 2, she kept all these things, rimata, that is, words, in her heart. So even in her absence as a character in Luke chapter 10, the text can be understood to show Jesus' mother in an exemplary way, as the one who hears the word of God and keeps it, as the representative of the community, largely Gentile, gathered around the Messiah, which receives him by hearing and submitting to what he teaches. Mary's role in submitting to and transmitting the teaching is exemplary, something which the text of Luke affirms. Early in his gospel, she is introduced as a virgin from Nazareth who bears the gospel message, the news of the birth of Jesus, which she had just received, to the Jews. Immediately after hearing and accepting the news of Jesus' upcoming birth, we are told that Mary went with haste, that is, with diligence, to the hill country of Judah, to the house of Zechariah, to greet and share the news with her cousin Elizabeth. This text, by the way, is prescribed at Orthros on those three feasts of Mary and complements the verses from chapter 10 and 11 that are heard at liturgy. Luke goes out of his way to emphasize what might seem unlikely, even unacceptable to some, that representatives of the temple priesthood in Judah are bound to receive the gospel from an outsider who accepted it first, and double strike is a virgin. Such a scenario had already been preached by Paul before the gospel of Luke was written. Let's hear verses 22 and 23 of Romans 11, addressed to the Gentiles. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but toward you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off, and they also, that is the Jews, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. This concludes episode 22 of A Light to the Nations. I thank you for listening, and I look forward to meeting with you again soon.